This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You're crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome, everybody, to episode 226 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your two hosts, Cal, and with me, our other host, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, we are uh, we are motoring on here as we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, boy, do you feel old yet? Because <laughs> uh, I sure do. We are uh, motoring on through here as we continue in our month celebrating that 30th anniversary as we are going to review the next episode in line here today. Welcome to episode 226 of the DCAU Reveal. That's right. We have uh, we have reached the end of the first season of Batman the Animated Series here. This is the 65th episode, uh-huh. which was the amount of episodes they were initially ordered for for the series when they were first greenlit by Fox Kids. So such a random number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think in some of the earlier commentary tracks and DVD extras, there's that had something to do with how shows were sort of sold into syndication at the time. And mm-hmm. if you get over the the magical 52 number, uh, then that kind of increases your chances of, of getting uh, syndicated for, for a long period of time, which obviously we saw the show was on in reruns for years and years and, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously lives on now in streaming and, and physical media as well. So yeah, this, but that this initial 65 episode run uh, comes to an end here uh, with a with an interesting one to talk about this week, uh, the Worry Men. 
That is right. Yeah. And, and we are by no means complaining about the number, by the way. Uh, more, wish there was more of these episodes to cover as we, uh, as we look now, as we are uh, looking down the barrel of the, uh, the end of the run here in, in uh, what will, will be a few months time. Mm-hmm. Well, it will be a few months of, of, of reviews. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> in podcast time, that's probably several years, but uh, I digress as we move along here. But yes, we do have the worry men today. And Liam, before we get into our four categories that we uh, cover on each and every podcast review, we are, of course, going to get to the official Internet Movie Database IMDb synopsis for this week's episode brought to you by The Pod Tower. That's right. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower, and uh, you can not only get all of our prior Batman the Animated Series reviews, you can get uh, reviews of our, our the tie-in comics and lots of other fun bonus episodes, including the best batman the animated series action figures of all time i can hear mm-hmm. that in one of our bonus episodes lots of good stuff so head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe today liam this episode originally aired here as you mentioned on the fox kids network back on september the 16th 1993 which means we're going to be about uh, a week shy or so of uh, the 29 year anniversary of this episode's debut Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for The Worry Men, which was written by Paul Dini and directed by Frank Parr, with music by Lolita Ritmanis and animation by Dong Yang, with uh, layout services by Spectrum. And that synopsis reads as such. The Mad Hatter plants mind-control devices inside miniature native dolls distributed to high-society Gothamites by Veronica Vreeland. All right. My only thing is, is that it doesn't make it clear that she is not intentionally distributing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of sounds like Veronica Vreeland is in cahoots with the Mad Hatter based on that plan. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. all right. It, I'd, I'd say it's like a C. C's get degrees, I guess, because yeah. left left out like an important clause in that sentence to make sure that the the, the reader understood that uh, the, the two were not connected. But uh, yes, yeah, so not a, not a bad overall, I guess, description, Liam. As we get into our own plot description here, as you mentioned, we open up the episode of Veronica Vreeland sort of getting a, a a hero's welcome as she throws a very cultural appropriated uh, bash i would say she's she's got all sort of mayan mayan uh, themed party favors and party decor they don't make it clear maybe it's at a museum i don't know but they don't make it very clear where it is but i'm just going to go with the idea that she culturally appropriated a whole bunch of things <laughs> and uh and was disrespecting the culture that she just visited but she decided to dress in, in traditional like 1930s uh, uh, jungle garb, with, complete with like the the Panama Jack hat and all of that. Uh, <laughs> as uh, she is is leading this party and 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 uh, explaining to all of her other rich friends who are also dressed appropriately, minus Bruce and and uh, and a few of the other guests who are wearing tuxes. There's a lot of people. I guess maybe it was costumes optional for this uh, for this bash. <laughs> Bruce opted not to dress in the uh, in the Panama Jack garb, but. Uh, Veronica is explaining just how wonderful her trip was and uh, she stumbles upon uh, Bruce Wayne who is talking with a 
I believe, a, an investor of some kind, a, a slush fund investor or something like that named Hayden Sloan. And uh, Mr. Sloan mentions that the returns for the funds have been down as of late. Business has not been great, and he has been worrying quite a bit. And this, uh, this perks Veronica's ears up as she stumbles in and inserts herself into the conversation, letting Mr. Sloan know that she's stumbled upon a uh, something on her trip that might be able to help solve his worry problem as she pulls out a purse full of these tiny dolls that she calls worry men. Look at them, celebrating without a care in the world. I think it's great that Veronica's finally doing something worthwhile with her money. Oh, I'm sorry, Bruce. The securities business has been kind of rough lately. A lot of late hours, you know. Seems all I do is worry about how to get my company through one more day. Worries, Hayden? <laughs> I have the cure for that. I'm a little old for dolls, don't you think? Not these dolls. They're worry men from Central America. Legends say you tell them your problems, then put them under your pillow at night. They'll do your worrying for you while you sleep. And when you wake up, poof, your problems are gone. Oh, come on, Ronnie. You're the last one I think would fall for some ancient tribal hoodoo. Don't be so smug, Brucie. When I was in the jungle, I saw some things you'd never believe. And she goes on to explain what will ultimately be the linchpin to the episode as she claims that she met someone on her trip to Central, uh, Central America who explained that these were a, a local custom to put these under their pillows. And as the, uh, as the person that puts them under their pillows sleeps, uh, their worries are transferred to the doll and they wake up worry-free and uh, able to go ahead and, and live their life. So, uh, and as this explanation is being given, uh, Bruce is standing by and looks up and happens to notice a, uh, a strange Aztecian looking individual, or a, I think he's later referred to as a Mayan witch doctor, uh, standing on the roof, peering in through what else, a skylight down below. So this catches Bruce's attention. And he decides to uh, to whisk away very quickly, much to Veronica's chagrin. My favorite part there was that she mentioned something about Bruce ha talk about having a worry-free lifestyle as she, <laughs> unbeknownst to her, mentions that Bruce could have nothing to worry about in his life. So Bruce uh, makes the exit and heads to the roof, of course, in the meantime, changing in to his Batman costume and decides he's going to confront this uh, this Mayan witch doctor right on the uh, the roof, and that's where they have a, a bit of a fisticuffs, Liam. That's right. So we see Batman come face to face with this strange shaman who has uh, complete with sort of uh, you know very crude and, and and rudimentary weaponry like tomahawks and blow darts and all of this stuff. Uh, Batman and him sort of come blow to blow, and eventually, as Batman seems to be getting the upper hand, the shaman throws his axe through the skylight. And uh, kind of unlodges un one of the uh, larger displays, some sort of like tiki head or something that is suspended above the uh, the uh, the ceiling or, or suspended from the ceiling. And uh, at that point, Batman, of course, has to let the shaman go in order to stop the sh the uh, the giant display from crushing some of the party goers, and that allows the shaman to escape. He's although we do cut back, and the shaman's just kind of hanging out underneath the gargoyle but batman <laughs> doesn't look very hard for him so <laughs> batman just assumed he he pulled his own disappearing act but he's sort of defying gravity and somehow hanging on the bottom of this gargoyle in a exactly undescript way 
So from there, we cut back to Wayne Manor, where Batman's sort of discussing the uh, the curious nature of this assailant with Alfred. And uh, as Alfred is putting away Bruce Wayne's tux, he finds these little worry men dolls in uh, in Bruce's coat jacket. And after uh, Bruce sort of explains to Alfred what they are, Alfred sort of at first scoffs at it, but then figures. Uh, anything uh, is worth a shot when it comes to helping uh, Bruce Wayne get a good night's sleep. Tell me, Alfred, what's an ancient Mayan witch doctor doing on a Gotham skyscraper? This isn't one of those Riddler questions, is it? No, but it's just as confusing. There's someone new in town using Mayan tribal gimmicks in his crimes. Blowguns, stone weapons. Voodoo dolls? Oh, that's some party favor from Veronica's party. They're supposed to take away your worries while you sleep. Imagine that. What some overworked souls will do to get a good night's rest. Hmm. Still, every little bit helps. And so he puts it under Bruce's pillow. And uh, from there, we cut to the next morning at Wayne Enterprises, where Bruce is uh, in a very cheery mood. And, uh, <laughs> he's got no worries. Mm-hmm. As, we've, as we've established. And he's, he's sort of seemingly very much playing into that carefree lifestyle and he's uh, his secretary is sort of confused but you know keeps asking him if he's if he's sure everything is all right and we see uh, that she has prepared some sort of briefcase for him which he takes from her despite her protests despite her attempts to figure out what exactly is going on he takes it into his office and he opens it up to reveal just lots and lots of cash and uh, he puts that uh, out on the windowsill outside of his uh, his office on the Wayne Enterprises skyscraper. And at that point, his, uh, his secretary finally works up the courage to go into his office and ask him to explain himself why he would take $20 million in cash and, and what he could possibly need that for on such short notice. And Bruce is quite perplexed by that, uh, by that questioning as he doesn't even remember uh, putting, uh, taking the money, let, let alone asking his secretary to, uh, to prepare it for him. I know it's your company, Mr. Wayne, but $20 million, man, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. What's your point? Well, I'd sure feel uncomfortable walking around with all that cash in a tiny little briefcase. Dana, I'm sorry. I'm not following this. What cash? What briefcase? The $20 million you told me to put in a briefcase for you. You're not making any sense. The 20 million I told you to put in a briefcase? You called me from your car, gave me your account number, told me to transfer 20 million dollars in cash, and I... (gasps) Hey! 20 million of my money in that case? I hope you're not going to take it out of my salary. And uh, at at that point, as he's sort of beginning to piece things together, they notice that once again, another one of these uh, mysterious South American shaman is out on the windowsill taking that briefcase. And Bruce sort of in vain tries to to catch him, but can't. And he gets away as as Bruce is sort of left there realizing that he is... uh, he is in, in quite a bit trouble and uh, about $20 million poorer than he was the, the previous morning. 
Well, the good news is, Liam, is that, uh, as they say, misery does love company, as we learn that Bruce is not alone in being uh, someone that has tur- inadvertently turned over a large amount of money to uh, to this mysterious gang. As we see uh, on, on the Batcave computer, uh, Bruce is watching uh, the news and, and learns that uh, the aforementioned Hayden Sloan has actually been arrested for embezzlement, as he, too, has apparently turned over over a whole bunch of his money as he uh, he screams innocence into the camera saying that he doesn't understand why he would have done that. But uh, again, Bruce is just amongst a several of Gotham's millionaires that have turned over close to, I believe the news says, $100 million uh, to this mystery gang or that has uh, taken money and, uh, and essentially lost it. So uh, it's at this point that uh, Bruce, in his conversation with Alfred, realizes that the common denominator has to be that uh, they were all guests at Veronica's party. So Bruce decides to seek out Veronica in an attempt to figure out just what could be going on. So uh, he uh, he tracks her down uh, on her yacht, I suppose it is. They don't explicitly say it's her yacht, but there's a yacht out in the Gotham Harbor and she is out there and she has a suitcase late at night and she is about to uh, to drop the suitcase off the back of the of the yacht when Bruce interrupts her and uh, she has a bit of a foggy memory and isn't quite sure why she's there. She just knows that she has to throw this suitcase <laughs> off the back. Miss Vreeland. Huh? Batman? Let me help you with your bag. No, you stay back. This is mine, you hear? Mine. I know it's yours. What were you planning to do with it? I have to throw it overboard because... Because... Excuse me, I I, I don't feel very well. And we see that there is a speedboat that is following closely behind Veronica's uh, boat there. And Veronica is, uh, she's kind of awakened out of her, her, her fog at that moment and comes to realize uh, as they open the suitcase, they realize that it had her complete collection of family jewels located in it. She's absolutely flabbergasted and feels like maybe she's just been too stressed out and can't figure it out. And she uh, she reveals that she's kind of had pinned to her hair three of these worry men dolls that we saw in the very first scene that she was purporting and uh, was uh, celebrating. And she says that uh, they are not helping her and is ready to throw them into the water. But of course, Batman being the detective that he is, decides that he wants to have a closer look as he realizes there might be uh, more that more than meets the eye that to uh, to these little <laughs> dolls I sh- and uh, we uh, he asks her specifically some details about where she got them and she mentions that she got them in a small village from an Englishman and uh, Batman you can see the wheels beginning to turn in his head as he takes the uh, the worry men doll back to the Batcave to investigate and inspect it. We learn that inside of the Worry Man doll is a, is a little microchip that Batman deduces is likely uh, due to, uh, or its purpose is to 
mess with brain waves while the person sleeps. That's why the instructions are to place them under the pillow and uh, can affect effectively subdue and, and make the person more susceptible to, to mind control through hypnosis. So uh, as, as he kind of puts two and two together, he thinks now who quite would be uh, behind mind control and thinks that uh, as he goes through his, uh, his set of the rogues gallery, that there's really only one person that could be behind it. So you have no idea how terrible I feel to have played a part in this. Neither you nor Veronica could have known that hidden within each doll was a tiny microchip designed to stimulate a sleeper's brain waves and make them susceptible to hypnotic suggestion. Creating a radio receiver of sorts out of an entranced human mind? Exactly. And who knows how to warp the human mind better than Jervis Tetch, the Mad Hatter? I did fail to mention there was a uh, a brief scuffle that occurred between Batman and the uh, the 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 uh, gang of uh, men dressed in like jaguar heads and loincloths uh, that uh, were following behind the boat. And Batman did manage also to get a piece of uh, one of their cows. But uh, we see them, these gentlemen walking into a, uh, into a hideout. And we see, of course, the Mad Hatter himself, they're cackling, excitedly ready to accept their spoils from Veronica, only to find out that not only were they unable to obtain the jewels from Veronica Vreeland, but they, uh, they ran into Batman and one of, the, uh, one of the young men lost a part of his costume, thus giving Batman plenty of evidence to try and uh, inspect and figure out just where this was originated. So uh, what did you know at the back computer is able to do exactly where this is from? And it's from a, uh, a costume factory that's been shut down for years as Batman claims. So Batman speeds towards the, uh, the costume factory and hopes to capture the the Mad Hatter and catch him by surprise, but uh, the Mad Hatter has already deduced that Batman will be on his way and has decided to set up a uh, a pretty fun little trap for the end uh, end of the episode here. Absolutely, yeah, it's a really fun sequence. We'll certainly talk more about it in visuals, but to su- suffice to say, as Batman walks in, he is greeted seemingly by the Mad Hatter sitting in a throne, but all around him appear to be. Uh, costumes or waxed figurines, mannequins perhaps, of uh, his various rogues gallery. I knew you were coming, so I thought I'd have some of the old chaps around to make you feel at home. a donut shop. They're both filled with holes. (laughs) And uh, right as he goes to uh, take hold of the Mad Hatter, he realizes that that itself is a a dummy or a mannequin, Uh, at which point a a mannequin of the penguin uh, zooms in with with an umbrella knife pointed at him. And then a a mannequin of the Riddler shows up with uh, with a machine gun. And uh, if, if that were not bad enough, we have a Joker in the box, a giant Joker in the box with a large sledgehammer and a, uh, a marionette-controlled Harley Quinn puppet with a knife as well attacking him. He's able to sort of avoid all of those traps, but as he's, uh, as he's avoiding all of them, 
There also happens to be a group of these uh, um, uh, South American shaman mannequins. Oh, wait, they're not mannequins. They're <laughs> the actual people standing uh, standing as, uh, as stiff as a board, but as soon as Batman sort of turns his back on them, they spring into action and they're able to uh, take hold of Batman and, and wrestle him to the ground, at which point the Mad Hatter finally reveals himself uh, very late in the episode that we actually see our villain this week, but uh, but he does show his face and as he's sort of taunting Batman and Batman asks him what exactly his plan here was is, you know, he for all of his uh, all of his genius for all of his uh, his poetic soul. He has reduced himself to just being a regular old thief. And, and the Mad Hatter kind of has a little bit of a sob story where he, he expresses that he was released from Arkham and uh, had completed his re rehabilitation. However, uh, he, in, in order to set up this new life that he wanted to start, he knew he would need a lot of money. And uh, what better way to do that than to con some old rich uh, folks out of their money no yep. flaws in that story honestly yeah. i mean it's it is a way to do it a lot of people do it uh-huh we'll have a lot of success doing it so absolutely as we like to say on the on the podcast actually without a hint of irony this time a tale as old as time absolutely but uh, of course batman continues to try to struggle to get free but of all things mad hatter decides he's going to finish him off with a guillotine and uh, as he does, Batman, who has sort of realized that the that these worry men dolls that he's using to control everyone work on a sp specific frequency, uh, has a some sort of remote control sonic device uh, <laughs> that he sets off, some sort of sonar device that counteracts or, or interferes with that signal that's being broadcast, and that sort of frees the uh, the. The, the one main uh, witch doctor or shaman who we found find out was actually a South American native and doll maker that had met Veronica Vreeland in in South America but uh, the rest of them are just regular old uh, regular old garden variety Gotham hoodlums who riffraff <laughs> riffraff and streets trash as I believe he's re refers to them which uh, they do not take too kindly to as uh, once they are able to break free of the mind control they sort of take it upon themselves to take hold of Mad Hatter and uh, he sort of re re uh, resorts to pulling a gun on all of them to uh, try to make his escape as the, the shaman sort of encourages the thugs to let him go and to let the police take care of it. But as he pulls the gun, he decides he's going to get away. But first, he's going to take one last shot at Batman, who has, of course, disappeared. And as uh, Tetch tries to escape, he sees a dark fig com uh, figure coming towards him in the darkness. And he opens fire only to see that he was sort of fooled. It was a costume and a mannequin, in fact. <laughs> and Batman sort of springs out from behind and takes him down. And that's sort of where we get uh, our ending as we see that, uh, that all, all's well that ends well for for Bruce and Veronica and, and, and his other friends. All the and, other rich people. Right. <laughs> finally, finally, the rich got a, got a W. Isn't that nice to see? Uh, but well, no, they, I, I will say they, they do go out of their way to be kind, to send the, uh, the poor shaman that got tricked into coming to Gotham back home. Bruce pays that out of his own money. Tomorrow, this all goes back to the company. Minus the cost of a plane ticket home for our kidnapped doll maker. I must say, after all the Hatter put him through, that fellow showed remarkable restraint. When everything was said and done, all the shaman really wanted was to go home. In fact, I hear he even sent the Hatter a farewell gift. Mm. 
something to ensure that Jervis Tetch only dreams of a good, honest life from now on. They, they, they do mention that uh, that all of Bruce's money is coming back home except for what it costs for the shaman. And they sort of admire that he and Alfred sort of speak uh, admirably of this shaman who, despite being controlled and sort of having having his uh, life's work turned into a, a pawn for the crimes of the super criminal that he, all he really wanted at the end was for the Mad Hatter to face justice. And in fact, to ensure that he does, he left one last little worry man doll for the Mad Hatter under his pillow at Arkham Asylum. And what do we see as we see uh, Jervis sort of tossing and turning in his bed? We see he pulls up his pillow and we reveal that it is in fact a little Batman worry man, a little worry Batman, if you will. A worry Batman, yeah. I love that Bruce says that uh, he's, uh, this This will assure that uh, he only has, has dreams of being uh, on the straight and narrow path. Uh, a life of of uh, of not of not committing crimes. So you got you gotta love a, a a nice little fun Batman ending to it there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We wrap up our story with a nice little bow. The uh, the bad guy's been vanquished and the good guys win, and then all is right in the world as we wrap things up this week. That's right. Well, uh, so I guess we can get into our discussion and our scoring here, Liam. Um, so I think we mentioned it last week. This is an episode that tends not to be on a lot of people's uh, in a lot of people's top 10 episodes. I've seen this at a lot of the bottom of people's, uh, uh, you know, top lists for the best Batman animated series, often near the bottom if they're ranking all the episodes. Um, I think there is uh, some interesting stuff here. My my problem with this is, is that they very much telegraph uh, the entire thing as to not not only who's behind it, but what is causing the the uh, the 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 mind control. What's leading to the mind control? They put a big red blinking arrow at the worry men dolls right at the beginning, and I wish they had been a little bit more subtle with it. <laughs> they they even. <laughs> They even like even when you're not quite sure, Batman sort of alludes to what he thinks could be the common denominator with them all being at this party for Veronica. They cut to the next scene with Veronica on the standing on the the boat, and the first shot is the shot of the three Worrymen dolls in her hair. So it's it's very very obvious that they they didn't try and make this a secret uh, as to who was who was behind this. I do do enjoy that they went with a different theme that the Mad Hatter didn't just use like a, like an Alice in Wonderland themed gang. Cause obviously that would have, that would have uh, been a, uh, another quite mm. bright red flashing light as to who is responsible. So I, I guess there is a little bit of misdirection there, but uh, you know, I, I, I just wish there wasn't as, as an obvious, an obvious, uh, an obvious sign as to what was behind this. I wish they had been a little more, co- a little more coy with it. Um, also, there's not a, not a ton of action. You get the, the first little scuffle between Batman and the shaman. Uh, and then you have uh, a, a smaller scuffle between Batman and the, uh, the, the, the gang as they try and take the jewels from Veronica. But the, the, the main action is really the tension comes from is Batman's head going to get chopped off, which mm-hmm. is great. We'll talk about in visuals. It's, it's a great visual, but at any point did you think that batman was actually going to be decapitated on the show like i mean 
maybe as a kid say that about any episode where batman finds himself in mortal danger that's true it is it is called batman the animated series not not mad hatter the animated series so (laughs) i guess you do have to suspend the disbelief with that um but yeah yeah i think it's i think it's fine i didn't think there was anything really earth shattering um i felt like they could have leaned in a little bit more to humor just because this was a little bit more of a of a goofy idea but with the dolls and the you know being at the mannequin factory we're back-to-back weeks and oh it's a costume factory not a mannequin factory (laughs) factory this week mannequin factory last week uh but you know i think there are some fun elements i think that the the final scene is is interesting i do like that they kind of went old school with the idea if you you know if you ever watched batman 66 the mad hatter's whole motivation for anything was to get batman's cowl if you Mm -hmm. recall like that was a very strong point of that character for a very long time the obsession of getting batman's cowl and they sort of throw that in at the end there not he's just like i'm gonna take batman's cowl as a trophy which leads to him putting him into the guillotine um but yeah so it's a little bit all over the place i you know i i think there are some fun fun elements that we'll talk about in some of our other categories. But as far as the episode is concerned, especially coming off of uh, such a strong episode that we had last week, this one feels like a little bit of a letdown. So um, I went with just a a middle of the road, five out of 10 for this week's plot. What about you? Yeah, I hear that. I went a little bit stronger. I went seven out of 10. I actually kind of liked the, I think I do agree. Once the mind, once it's clear that mind control is involved, Uh I think, yeah, then that, that there aren't many Batman villains that point to the mind control, but they don't, they don't play the theme. We'll talk about it in music. They don't play the Mad Hatter's theme till very late in the episode. I, I think there should have maybe been a little bit more of like Batman chasing down the shaman, like thinking the shaman's behind it all. And then Agreed. you do your big third act reveal. I definitely think that was, that would have been better. But as far as like a, just kind of a general mystery of him, he figures out that the dolls are responsible, but he still doesn't quite know what's going on until he finally can put it all together at the kind of the 11th hour there once they get to the costume factory and and once he speaks to Veronica and and figures out that it was a, an Englishman that gave her <laughs> that gave her the or that gave her the dolls or told her about the dolls. I think that's fun. I do think they could have leaned into I wondered if this was supposed to be a take off of like trying to think of like what 90s like rich people's celebrity trends would have been around that this could have been lampooning Uh like as far as other than just like yeah a rich person goes on safari or something and then makes it their whole personality for (laughs) a while like I think that that could probably happen in a lot of different uh, eras but yeah it doesn't feel like this is lampooning anything particular but yeah I just I think I like the general flow of it of of Batman kind of being on his heels of Bruce Wayne himself getting swept up in it I think is fun um, and then the the final act there when he goes to the costume factory, uh, I think is fun. And once once the Mad Hatter does sort of reveal himself, even though his plans are starting to unravel, he still somehow feels like he's really got Batman on his back heels in, in most of that fight with the, you know, with the the robots or mannequins and then with the uh, with the the gang sort of ganging up on Batman, you feel like he's kind of uh, he really has to kind of play this a certain way to not uh, to not meet his zoom here. So I, yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's like a complete home run, but I think there's a, there's a lot of fun ideas here. And I think it, 
it was better. And maybe it was also because, as you said, this is not generally a super well-liked episode mm-hmm. across the, uh, the the DCAU fandom. So maybe I was just expecting the worst. And, sure. and instead I got, you know, I thought a pretty solid story and it's interesting and, and how Batman gets involved in the story. And again, how Bruce and his, his friends are all affected by it. So there's a little bit more of a personal stake to figuring this out. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, like I said, not a home run, but I uh, I still found it pretty enjoyable. There we go. Yeah, not uh, not worthy of a, I think we're teetering on the edge of a disagreement alarm. Here. <laughs> uh, yeah, not not quite. By the way, should we uh, should we upgrade the uh, the disagreement alarm to that uh, that noise that Batman plays for that device from his uh, <laughs> from his belt? Or Mad Hatter? I love the Mad Hatter screams. What is that noise? That's pretty great. Yeah, pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, definitely put that in the consideration box going forward for disagreement alarms. But we'll move on to our next category, Liam, which is going to be visuals and animation. Uh, I believe you mentioned at the top uh, this is a Spectrum animation. Uh, episode here uh, with some dong yang uh, dong yang uh, with the animation and then uh, spectrum animation with the layouts for the mm-hmm. episode uh, you mentioned at the top also uh just stepping back for a second for a paul dini episode uh i think you could have leaned in uh, there's surprisingly not a lot of paul dini humor here there's a little bit but i don't like maybe the guillotine was was paul dini and and sneaking in the giant joker in the box uh and, and harley is a little bit beanie humor but didn't seem like there was as much as there uh there is in a normal paul dini he seemed pretty subdued for for a dini episode if i may say so yeah i think subdued is a good word for it it's not quite as quirky as what you might expect from a, a dini script there you go uh, well the director is uh frank power and uh, he did a number of, of Batman episodes. So uh, he did quite quite a few of the episodes here. But uh, what stood out for you as far as, as visuals, Liam, things that, uh, that looked good or not so good for this week's episode? Yeah, I think uh, uh, a lot of Batman and silhouette, which is always a really good deal because it always looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, that opening sequence where he's fighting the, the shaman or the witch doctor, whatever it is, on, on the rooftop that whole sequence from him sort of running off into the distance and he sort of Bruce Wayne sort of disappears into the shadow of the, uh, of the hallway. And then the next time we see Batman, he's still kind of encased into the shadow and sort of happens where you see the witch doctor peering into the skylight and then you hear Batman's voice and he turns around and you see him in the shadows over, over the witch doctor's shoulder. I thought the, the framing of that shot was really, really cool. And, and just the, the aesthetic of that fight, I think is fun the uh, the the South American design of all you know you've got some of them are in sort of like we said the 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 witch doctor outfit is cool and then all of the other gang are in sort of these like animal pelts and kind of look like takes on uh, on Craven the Hunter or something like that it's, uh, sure. it's kind of a fun uh, fun design I thought for a lot of our characters here and then as you said it's not a particularly action heavy episode other than from there that that final sequence the final act of the episode when he arrives in the costume factory and at, at uh, obviously the 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 focus pulling uh cameos that we get from the rest of batman's rogues gallery and in uh robot mannequin form are uh, are the the riddler and penguin and joker and harley but if you look obviously painted into the background we have darn near all of them there which i think is a, a really fantastic little bit there it's actually kind of recreated on a uh, on a cover for uh, batman and robin adventures number 17 we actually put that up on our instagram this week huh. 
uh, but uh, where all of the villains are kind of standing around and looking looking like wax figures and you're not quite sure if who's supposed to be real and who's a statue or whatever so mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I I really liked that visual of just having all of the having all of Batman's rogues gallery standing next to each other we don't really get to see that very often in this series you know, the the villain team ups are kept to a minimum so it's kind of fun just having that atmosphere, having him be surrounded by all his villains, even if they're only statues or, or costumes or whatever they're supposed to be. I think that's really a fun way to set up that final act. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the final act is really the visual uh, the, the visual smorgasbord for this week. As you mentioned, not only the, the entire rogues gallery, you get that. William, who builds these contraptions for these villains? <laughs> Do you think that the, because this is a costume factory, there's no way that there was a Joker, like Batman villain, Joker, Joker in the box here. This is something that either the Mad Hatter had to painstakingly put together himself and like design, or he like mind controlled this riffraff and and uh, shaman <laughs> into into designing this thing or something, because this is quite. It's not. It's not just like he painted a Joker face onto a mannequin like he did with like the Riddler or uh or or uh or penguin he he built an actual joker themed jack-in-the-box here so i i don't know but uh that joke jo- that whole <laughs> sequence where the penguin comes out of the shadows with the with the uh the, the umbrella and you get the knife on the end of it and then you get uh him asking the riddle you know why are batman why is batman like a donut they both have holes that was great and then you have this <laughs> robot mannequin come out shooting the gun at batman it was good a riddler riddler effigy holding a a, a tommy gun and uh, and shooting at batman um which by the way they managed to get a decapitation in in that one as well they decapitated the poor riddler robot by the way in, in another example <laughs> them loving to do violence towards robots whenever possible uh and then you get this harley quinn uh um uh, uh, marionette puppet full-size marionette puppet drop out of the ceiling i love the movements that it, it moves just like a marionette puppet when it lands it's kind of floppy very much like woody from toy story style like body movements before it comes up with this sword and tries to stab batman and then as we mentioned the uh, the giant joker in the box popping out but uh i love that and i honestly there's a couple of tricks they do at the end where they they reveal they hint at the guillotine uh right before batman shows up at the factory they show the shadow of the guillotine as as a uh, mad hatter refers to uh, a way that he has to end batman when he arrives uh, they show the shadow of the guillotine sort of alluding to it and then later as uh, as the riddler dec- or sorry as the, the mad hatter decides uh, he's going to uh, how he's going to off batman uh they just show this shadow of the riddler or uh, keep keep calling him the riddler they keep the they show this shadow of the mad hatter cackling uh right behind the uh the the guillotine in a very that's a feel like that's a very classic cartoon villain type thing where they show the shadow of the of the villain cackling and laughing sort of with his arms up in a very maniacal way standing next to this death device and then Mm Uh, I'm honestly surprised that they got away with being able to show Batman's head locked into this guillotine and the Mad Hatter drop this thing on him only for him to catch it with his feet at the last second. Very, 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 very surprised that they got that past standards and, and practices for uh, 
for the uh, the censorship there for a, a show that was notorious as we've mentioned many times for not not being able to show very much uh, at all that seems like maybe a little too violent there or something that uh, you would you would have kids try and replicate on their own maybe not with a guillotine but with something else <laughs> dangerous hey kids don't play with your guillotines like this good advice <laughs> Yeah. Uh, children and guillotines don't mix <laughs> uh, Batman should have turned to the camera and said that but yeah there's a there's a lot of fun in that that final sequence I would say that's where the majority of it comes in I will say though that at times there were parts in this episode that things did feel slightly off model um, I think that there were some scenes also where uh, Batman's cell shading was done in a way that I know for a fact that Bruce Tim and the other producers on the show did not like or requested not to be animated. There's a uh, there's a famous now out of print Batman animated book uh, that kind of mm-hmm. chronicles a, a Chip Kid and Paul Dini uh, book that chronicles Batman animated series. We are we are fortunate enough to own a copy, and in that there are some some Bruce Tim original drawings that sh- lay out how the shading should go on Batman, where the highlights should go and the cell shading. And very famously, it's like not this, and they point to like light on his face and the shadow kind of coming behind him versus the shadow being on his face and you had the highlights being in blue and there's several scenes in this that i caught where they were like oh they reversed how they're supposed to sell shade that i can only imagine that the the producers of the show may not have been too happy with them you know disregarding this rule of how to sell shade batman so that kind of that's that's super nerdy and only nerds like us would really kind of catch something like that but that stuck out to me because i i know based on that one one paper that was in this book that that was not how bruce tim uh, and the rest of the producers wanted Batman to be cell shaded, and he was several times in this episode shell cell uh, shaded in reverse. So that stuck out to me as a as a super deep cut nerd thing to say. Yeah, it wasn't quite right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but as you pointed out, that's that is something that you know does represent the thing being off model. It's not off model in the sense that maybe we normally talk to where it's uh, you know wrong proportions or or something like that or, or or it's drawn wrong necessarily but it is it does but it does lead to some uh some uh some issues there so i don't i don't think that's wrong to point out or too nitpicky like you said it's it's right there as part of the uh, the style guide for the series absolutely so uh for all those reasons i i do think that the rest of the episode is just kind of um uh is middle of the road i didn't think there was anything anything terribly uh offensive but also the the only thing that stood out i thought was that final sequence because of some of the things that again that i noticed and i think just just the characters being a little bit off model i felt that uh, mad hatter at times in that final scene where he's kind of delivering his uh his exposition he he looked a little bit off model from what we saw him uh, from the last time we saw him um, again, different, uh, different animation studios and layout studios will do that to you, but, uh, it just, it just seemed off at, at different points and just did not feel, uh, feel like it was on model for either of the two normal looks, if you want to call it that we have from, uh, from our, our two normal animation studios. So, uh, I do think that the score was pulled up because of the fun had in that, that final sequence, but overall I ended up giving animation visuals a six out of 10. What about you? 
Yeah, it went one point higher. Just went seven out of ten. Like I said, I, I think the the fun of these really unique character designs and sort of the unique uh, location of that and uh, and the look of that. I don't know, Batman fighting a witch doctor. Just uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> just uh scratched an itch in my like reptilian nerd brain it's just like yeah that's cool that's a cool <laughs> that's a cool deal there and then yeah the, the final fight of him uh you know being again just sort of being accosted repeatedly by these different uh, effigies of his uh, of his greatest villains i think is a great bit and uh and uh, yeah i think i think the final bit there with the, the guillotine is pretty uh is is pretty harrowing and and just the fi- the very final image of the episode of of the hatter turning tossing and turning in his bed and then the the reveal as the pillow comes up and you see the little batman doll under his pillow i think is a fantastic little way to end the episode as well so yeah not, nothing uh, necessarily that's a that's a complete home run nothing that i'll other than that sequence with the uh, the villain puppets and robots, I don't know. There's a ton here that you would uh, you would point to as like a, an all time great visual for the series or anything. But uh, yeah, I think still still a pretty solid outing. Warner really missed the boat on a merchandising opportunity with uh, with Batman worry men worry Batman. You know. Oh my gosh! I buy them now. Pump them out, or you know, do a uh, do a limited release uh, for the 30th anniversary. Give me my uh, my my. worry batman like love it (laughs) all right Liam. let's move on to our next category which is going to be music and um yeah this week uh we have we have some fun with this episode Uh, as you mentioned at the top because the mad hatter isn't revealed as the is the villain until roughly maybe three quarters of the way i guess the tail end towards the tail end of the half uh, uh tail end of the first half maybe maybe the third quarter there but uh we we really don't uh don't get the reveal there so we don't get the the notorious mad hatter theme until late in the game here because they i guess they were reluctant to uh, to give you too many hints towards that until the the mind control theme was revealed uh there is some music i would say that plays uh, certainly during the uh, the opening scene with the shaman attacking uh, Veronica's party and uh, and Batman subsequently uh, getting into the the fight with him. Uh, we get uh, we get some more music later on as uh, as Bruce walks in uh, whistling and happy as we mentioned and placing the uh, placing the the twenty million dollars on his uh, his windowsill and then as the uh, the member of the gang swings by we get some more dramatic music that plays there uh, in, in step with the uh, the theme that played in that that opening scene as well. But then uh, the, most of the musical notes are fun that I had. I felt like came after the Mad Hatter reveal, we get the classic Mad Hatter theme. And then we even get some of the, uh, the other classic villain themes because we get, uh, we get the reveal of the penguin robot uh, in, the, in that final scene. We get a little bit of the penguin theme. I think even a little bit of the, uh, the Riddler theme too when the Riddler robot is revealed, mm-hmm. uh, the slightest bit there. And then we get a little bit uh, of Harley and Joker as well uh, when the Harley and Joker uh, themed uh, monstrosities are revealed. So there's a there's a there's definitely a little bit of fun to be had here. Um, I didn't think that there was anything uh, other than that final scene again that that stood out uh, other than the I guess maybe the opening scene. But uh, what what did you think as far as musical notes for this week? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, that sequence with the uh, at the end there is definitely the highlight. Once you start bringing in all the 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 Hatter theme, especially, but the all the little bits and pieces we get of the other villain themes are fantastic. I do like that the when the uh, the shaman first appeals, sort of 
appears sort of peering uh, down through the skylight. You get these, these sort of like, you get like a, a lot of cool sort of more native percussion, like conga drums and things like that, that sort of set that mood. Because again, uh, you know, until we're three quarters of the episode in, we don't really know who, who our, our villain is. So it appears that these, these strange uh, visitors from another another time are, uh, are 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 main villains here. So having having music to kind of match that in that first scene, and then it kind of comes back when uh, after Bruce has put the, the the briefcase out on the ledge, as he and his, his secretary are talking, and then as he looks as he looks out the window and sees one of the uh, one of the gang members uh, walking out on the ledge to get the money, you kind of hear those those drums come back in, which I always appreciate. And then obviously we have the, uh, the, the main Batman theme, the Shirley Walker's Batman theme come in first when he, when he first reveals himself. And then again, a pretty good use of that at the end there, where as you, as we've already talked about when, uh, when Hatter is tossing and turning in his, uh, in his, uh, in his bed and he lifts the pillow up and you see the, the bat, the worry Batman, uh, yeah. you get that, the, the final sort of last couple of musical notes we, we hear from that episode turn into that Batman theme and that's sort of our crescendo to end the episode. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the music all, all throughout, especially those, uh, those highlights we mentioned. I really liked the theme that the, uh, that the, the, the would be tribe, got and then uh, as well as the music for of course like we said all of the, the various villain themes and, and batman's music as well of course always a highlight so i ended up giving music an eight out of ten this week nice yeah i went uh, i went just a point lower i went seven out of ten uh i will also note the uh the guillotine scene uh as they bring batman mm-hmm. seemingly to his death as they insert his head into the little apparatus there and lock it and uh, it seems that Batman is, do, uh, is, is done for before he's able to, uh, to utilize that uh, loud, annoying sound device that uh, temporarily disables the, uh, the other villains. I will say that it's, uh, it, the, the, the music sort of crescendos and certainly builds up a lot of tension. And then even, even as the Hatter drops the, uh, the blade and Batman has to catch it with his feet, there's even more tension there because uh, the Mad Hatter comes up and begins to sort of try and uh, pull Batman's legs down in an attempt to you know, have the bl- blade finish it dropping down. And you think the music is crescendoing uh, for perhaps Batman's doom only for uh, the Mad Hatter to be interrupted by his own gang none too happy as we mentioned so yeah there's a there's a lot of fun fun musical moments and uh even though maybe it's uh again towards the latter half of the episode there's plenty of of stuff to enjoy for this week yeah absolutely it's a it's a great deal of fun like you said some uh, some good variety in the types of music as well absolutely all right liam let's uh, let's bring it on home here with our final category of the day and that will be voice acting we have uh, a couple of returning voices of course uh, our, our mainstays and uh maybe a surprising maybe the most surprising cameo <laughs> in a small position or in a uh in a small role here for this week's episode let's uh let's talk about this week's voice cast shall we Absolutely. So uh, we'll deal with a couple of the more minor players here. First, we have uh, Roger Rose as the as the shaman here. He's played a lot of uh, modern uh, sort of minor roles throughout the DCAU, including he plays uh, the sort of young rookie cop in POV. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Very, very early on in the series, and does a few other minor roles as well. Uh, not not a lot to for him to do there, but 
fun to hear a familiar voice there. And then playing uh, Dana, Bruce Wayne's secretary, who I don't think we ever see again. Um, but, uh, but playing her is uh, Vernie Watson, who, uh, who folks would probably best know as uh, playing Will Smith's mom on the original Fresh Prince series. Okay, which one? His Wait, actual no, mom, mom, not mom. not Aunt Viv. I did this the last time she did a voice. She did yep. another voice, and I did this the last time, the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, not not his, uh, not not Aunt Viv, but yes. his, his actual mother, who probably appears in ten or ten or twelve episodes throughout the show's run. But uh, gotcha. but yeah, she's there in a minor role. Fun to hear her, and then uh, uh, returning as veronica Reeland. we have uh, mary lou henner who folks would probably know best from taxi as well as quite a few other uh roles across uh live action television in her youth she's always fun like i like i like that it seems like it seems like a character that paul dini uh, specifically likes a lot mm-hmm. to just throw in there whether it's as a framing device or just to have someone for for bruce to bounce some dialogue off of outside of the the bat costume other than alfred or or robin Mm -hmm. but uh, i i think she's always fun when they include her in the series yeah she's she knocked the role out of the park i mean she's a she's a socialite spoiled rich person i loved the joke at the beginning uh where she was talking about uh well oh the bugs being as large as her hedge fund uh (laughs) Her, or you know her uh, her trust fund rather so i i loved that i thought she plays that spoiled rich heiress very very well uh you know she's a she's a rich socialite she fits right in with bruce bruce's bruce wayne voice i would say uh, kevin conroy's bruce wayne voice it feels very natural as a uh, as a uppity rich spoiled social <laughs> so uh obviously she does it does feel like maybe she's uh because she's not a a villain in this series like she doesn't have a dark side to her that she's more of just a an innocent airhead sort of rich person uh, you know that she's she's willing to believe this this uh this englishman in the in the jungle has her best intentions at heart and brings home a giant purse full of these worry men thing that ultimately end up uh brainwashing and nearly causing the downfall of a lot of uh, a lot of her friends unfortunately but uh <laughs> yeah you, you you gotta love it i think miss henner did a fantastic job in this role and we know that she comes back for at least another one or two episodes in the future here so uh yeah this one's a another good good performance from her absolutely and then as you alluded to cal probably one of the most uh surprising and fun uh, fun guest stars we have playing the the very minor role as mentioned of hayden sloan kind of veronica and bruce's other friend who we see affected by this uh, worry men crisis that's uh, that's plaguing the rich folks of gotham is uh, is none other than uh, the proprietor of uh, of Re- reading rainbow himself it is lavar burton Love playing it. that role as i was i was i was so happy to see that even though it's a very minor role i uh, i just loved that it feels like a miscarriage of justice in a way that this is the only role he would have played in the whole Batman the animated series run. Cause I don't think he, he doesn't play anything in, in the rest of the DCAU either, but that's, he has such a fantastic voice. Uh, you know, it's, it's, 
it's, you know, it, it blends in and is easily recognizable. Even if you don't know who it is, you're like, man, that voice sounds so familiar. Who is that? And then it's, oh, it's LeVar Burton. Um, obviously one of the most uh, uh, underrated and perhaps underappreciated actors of our time. And uh, certainly if you've seen him in any of his other roles outside, of course, hosting Reading Rainbow, a lot of us in our generation know him simply from that. But uh, of course he was in Roots and a lot of other, you know, television performances that uh, he was very much heralded for so uh is he he might be might have gotten nominated or, or won an oscar award for that i think uh, like i believe you're right yes so he's incredible, he's, yeah, incredible pedigree as an actor yeah and 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 uh, as as a side note i would have gotten my vote to uh, to host jeopardy if if i was in charge but uh that's that's the soapbox that i need not stand on right now <laughs> but uh yeah he he is definitely a uh, a fantastic uh performer seemingly a, a really good person and uh you know it, it's a bit of a shame that we don't get um, more of either this character or perhaps him cast in another role later on uh in the uh, DCAU run, because man, what a uh, what a what a great little performance from him in this episode, and what a uh, what a well loved and uh, underappreciated actor for uh, for our generation. They say tens of millions of dollars are missing since this morning, Mr. Sloan. If it wasn't you, then who? But I don't know. I tell you, I don't know. Why would I do it? Why? That was the scene today as broker Hayden Sloan was arrested on charges of embezzlement. Sloan joins the growing list of wealthy Gothamites who, for reasons unknown, have pilfered their own companies for a combined total of $100 million. Absolutely. It's really, really fun to see these uh, these big name actors, as you mentioned, just these incredibly talented people show up. Uh, a lot of times it is just for, you know, a, a small role, but uh, Andre Romano getting some of these incredible people in into the studio to record for this show is uh, is always awesome and it's yeah great great to see to hear him and to see his name in the credits was uh, was quite a treat for this week and then uh, rounding out our uh, our guest stars we of course have uh, the great Roddy McDowell returning as the Mad Hatter although albeit pretty briefly because as we discussed the plot sort of necessitated that he not appear until very late in the episode so we don't get a ton of him. But uh, I do really enjoy, especially the voiceover, as you talked about, as as the, the, the as he's sort of literate, literally and figurat figuratively uh, puppeteering the uh, the villain effigies as they're attacking Batman, and then sort of taunting him as the uh, as the gang sort of overwhelms him, and he and he sort of gets just a little bit more unhinged. He's sort of just taunting and and very light, and then as it as it becomes clear that this is spiraling out of control, once the uh, the mind control isn't working anymore, he's very quick. Then he just becomes completely unhinged, and it, you know you would think maybe that wouldn't feel natural, like it would feel too jarring, but it just feels I think maybe as this character is a returning character and we've seen those those bits of his personality in his previous appearances that it does kind of work for uh, when everything seems like smooth sailings he's uh, he's as smooth as butter but then as soon as uh, as soon as he looks like he, he's just completely unhinged and losing his mind yeah it's it's fantastic i think 
my favorite part was when he uh, he goes through the exposition of uh, how he you know his whole plan and Batman you know as you mentioned uh, earlier on we were discussing the plot you know sort of questions how uh, this brilliant mind ended up becoming a common thief and uh, he begins to lay out his plan and how essentially we got to where we are right here in this moment and uh, he starts by saying that his whole plan was and he 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 explains it as if it's just the most normal thing ever he was going to buy an island delightful oh quite a bonus to add to my already substantial collection you disappoint me tetch for all your brilliance you've become just another thief you make it sound so common well actually batman you'll be happy to know you're witnessing my retirement from crime See, after my recent release from Arkham, I vowed to leave Gotham and my wicked ways behind me. You perhaps buy a little island somewhere and open a sunbonnet shop. Oh, but islands, even little ones, cost money. Lots of money. And then I heard of Ms. Vreeland's well-publicized trek into the rainforest. Yes. I realized at once she'd be the perfect unwitting partner in my scheme. Investing what limited funds I had, I managed to follow dear Ronnie into the forest where, at a small native village, she made the acquaintance of my specially created worry men. Though I can't take complete credit, I provided the microcircuitry, of course, but my good friend here supplied the dolls. Of course, like that's <laughs> the only thing you can do to start over. You have to buy an island, but islands are super expensive. So in order to get, in order to do that, you got to get a lot of money. And how else are you going to get a lot of money? But to 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 trick a whole bunch of rich people out of their money, it, it makes perfect sense. Why else would you not do that? So uh, <laughs> I, I love that he so calmly and coolly explains that. And then again, uh, once he attempts to take Batman's mask off and is uh, is sort of kicked back, uh, he that's when the uh, the unhinged nature, as you mentioned, become sort of starts coming out. You get the cackling, as we mentioned, and the laughing. And then, uh, as Batman uh, presses the button of that uh, of that very annoying sound device, him losing his cool there. And uh, there's a couple of spots. There's a the part where the Mad Hatter throws his hat on the ground and, and stomps on it. And uh, I love the way that he pronounced. Uh, Arkham, he says Arkham. <laughs> he, he, he pronounces it just like you would think that a proper a proper Englishman would. He calls it Arkham instead of Arkham. So, uh, yeah, it's little things like that. And and again, we didn't get a, a whole lot of a uh, you know large performance because it's relegated to the the last sort of quarter of the episode. But uh, yeah, it, it's another fine performance for him. We know that we have more uh, more appearances from him down the road. Uh, this one definitely did not carry the episode as we saw in the very first Mad Hatter episode, but uh, certainly some highlights for this uh, for Mr. McDowell and uh, certainly a uh, one worth talking about. There's a reason why he was cast in this, this, uh, this role and kept it throughout the entire series. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's one of those things where maybe it's just because we haven't done a Mad Hatter episode in a long time. Um, you know, he his his two previous appearances come pretty, I guess not that early in the series. We were probably into like the the first thirty or so, but I feel like they come pretty quickly. Like once Mad as a Hatter happens, and then he's in Perchance to Dream a few episodes after that. But then now it's been 
I don't know, another 30 episodes or so, I guess, since we've had him here. But yeah, as soon as he started talking, when you hear his voice, as soon as Batman enters the, uh, the costume factory, it's like, oh yeah, this guy just immediately knocks it out of the park. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's very fun to, to get to, uh, to visit with this character again. And then of course, wrap, wrapping up our main cast, we have uh, just Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred briefly, not, not much for him to do, just sort of bouncing some, uh, some exposition off of, uh, of Batman. And then of course we have Kevin Conroy as Batman, who again, he's, he's got a lot to do. He's gets, he gets to do a little bit more Bruce Wayne in this episode, which is always fun. And again, him interacting, he gets to interact with him interacting maybe with, uh, with Miss Henner as both Bruce Wayne and as Batman in various points is maybe the most fun other than at the end when he's interacting with, uh, with Mad Hatter. Yeah. It's uh, I, there was a weird moment where he first starts talking when he first encounters the, uh, the, the Mayan shaman on the roof where it's sounds like he was, he was using his Bruce Wayne voice and not his Batman voice. Uh, I, I tried to rewind it and, and see if I was hearing things and maybe it was just less of a less of an intense Batman voice, I guess. But it felt very strange at first because when he he kind of calls out of the shadows, it sounds more like Bruce than than Batman. But uh, yeah, he gets a fair balance between the two of them. We get that scene where he uh, he is he's under the mind control and walks into the the Wayne Enterprises offices and gets to really ham it up as the as Bruce Wayne whistling and happy go lucky sort of uh, uh, under the 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 Mad Hatter's mind control. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a balanced episode between uh, between Batman and bruce and uh I, I think that while there isn't one thing that i think stands out other than maybe the interaction that he has uh with the mad hatter where he sort of uh you know calls him out for 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 switching from an intelligent foil to a uh to a common thief that there is a uh that there's a whole lot that i thought that stood out from his performance but i i think it was a it was a great solid kevin conroy performance as as we've become accustomed to so uh yeah definitely nothing bad but uh yeah i didn't think there was anything terribly uh you know that notable that stood out uh when it came to the performance as a whole for this week yeah no i think uh, like i said i I think he he does a serviceable job but it is really uh it's kind of a yeah it's kind of i think an example of the ensemble maybe lifting it up more than any one individual performance this week yeah uh, i did settle on an eight out of ten for my voice acting score i think again just because i was so i guess re re-struck by how good uh mr mcdowell is in in that role as as mad hatter and then like I said, the the fun of having Veronica in, in the episode and uh, and 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 everything is is a lot of fun as well. So I ended up with an eight out of ten for my voice acting score. There you go. Um, well, I ended up with a, a seven out of ten. So I gave it just uh, one one uh, one point lower there. Uh, I I do think that the the vocal cast as a whole had to had to carry a lot. Um, it would have been interesting to hear a little bit more of uh, Mr. Burton in a uh, in a in a larger role, especially if you're bringing in kind of a big name like that. Uh, so a little disappointing on that end, but uh, I don't think anybody did anything bad. I don't think there was any poor performances this week. Uh, that just maybe wasn't enough uh, enough Mad Hatter to stand out as a uh, as a dynamic performance compared to our past appearances from him. So uh, yeah, I think it's I think they're still solid, good, and in your case, a, a strong score uh, f- from both of us. Absolutely. All right, Liam, well, that begins uh, to wrap things up here. So why don't we total up our final scores for this week, totaling everything up on my end. 
I end up with a, uh, a 25 out of 40. What about you? And yes, I believe I have a final score of, even though I don't think we were that far apart on any of our, uh, our individual categories, I think I was a point or two higher in every single category. So that did lead to a, a somewhat large disparity here as I ended up with a final score of 30 out of 40. Whoa, should we uh, break it out? Uh, should we just <laughs> d- dust off the old uh, disagreement alarm? I don't know yeah. if that's, I don't, I don't feel like we disagreed overall. We just, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, a, a point or two here will uh, will create that disparity at the end of the day. So I guess let's let's wait and see what, when it comes to rewatchability here, if we agree or disagree. Okay. But uh, where, where do you fall in rewatchability? It doesn't feel like a particularly uh, important episode to rewatch. It obviously does feature a returning villain, but it's not like this particular episode features a great deal of, of Mad Hatter lore or anything. You know, you, you get a brief mention of his previous appearances, but other than that, it feels like it's pretty much just, uh, you know, he's he slotted in as, as a villain of the week. They even kind of make mention that he's not even really, uh, you know, going about things the way he previously did, where he had a specific goal in mind, and here he's just uh, trying to steal money. So, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's a really fun episode, but as far as an episode that you need to watch, or in fact, rewatch of the series, no, nah, I don't, I don't really have a, a strong inkling that this was, this is one that you need, uh, you need to rewatch if you're going through the series. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree with you. So I, I guess we don't need to break out that disagreement alarm. It's it, <laughs> there are fun parts to the episode. If somebody asked me if I if I disliked this episode, no, I definitely didn't dislike this episode. Um, I think it's just kind of a sum of its parts for me, where it's like there are some good things, but overall, it's an episode that if you left it out of the complete run, I would not miss it. Like there are episodes that if you cut out, I would absolutely miss. This is not mm. one that I would say that if you if you left out of the run going forward, if for some reason HBO Max decided that they had to cancel certain episodes <laughs> of Batman the Animated Series, gee, that doesn't sound possible at all. Uh, <laughs> but if they did, like I, I would put, I might put the worry men on the chopping block because it's, it's, it's not pivotal to the whole series. It's not pivotal to the whole DC you um the only thing maybe you could argue is it gives gives another dimension to the veronica vreeland character that we mentioned does come back and has played into tie-in comics and and other things so maybe maybe in that case uh you know you could argue that but i think overall it doesn't really move the character forward or backward and it doesn't really get picked up on at any point so i think that uh while there are fun moments there's nothing here that you must see uh, when it comes to this episode. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, William. Well, that will begin to wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, if you would uh, like to support the podcast, you can do that several different ways. The first way, of course, is to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We're on all the majors, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, and our host site, which, of course, is Anchor. You can, of course, also, as we mentioned at the top of the program, you can subscribe to us on the Pod Tower on YouTube. If you consume your podcast via YouTube, subscribe to us, like our videos when they come out. Heck, even if you don't uh, consume your podcast that way, that's a, it's a free way to support us 
gets us uh, gets up s- s- some more eyes and ears on our uh, on our podcast. Uh, same thing with uh, with Apple and and Spotify. If you leave us a review there, that helps us out. Uh, give us a five star review, and if uh, if you want to leave us a little blurb about what uh, what you like about the podcast or what you don't like about the podcast, you can do so. Uh, that helps us out. So uh, we appreciate that. If you want to support us monetarily, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can head over to dcaureview.com, click on the shop, pick yourself up a piece of merchandise, if you will. Uh, there's also, as we mentioned on our anchor.com site, uh, there is a link that you can support us directly. Thank you to our supporters that do. We appreciate you guys. Uh, also, uh, you can support us by following us on social media at DCAU Review. Uh, we have some uh, some great things happening on uh, both our Instagram. Liam usually does a great job posting a clip uh, of the upcoming episode, whatever we're going to cover, get you hyped for the uh, the upcoming episode and the upcoming review. Uh, in addition to other things, as he mentioned, uh, you know, tie-in comics, things you've probably long forgotten, uh, material, uh, you know, we feature a lot of uh, Batman animated series artists uh, that that create work we talk news and merchandise and exciting stuff that drops there so uh, definitely follow us on instagram there and of course you can join in and, and converse with us on twitter liam again does a great job of, of moderating that and, and continuing the conversation talking about all things dc comics batman the animated series and beyond not even just batman beyond but beyond batman the animated series so <laughs> lots lots of stuff to talk over there where uh we are collecting opinions also coming up here we have a, a special special event coming up for october that we'll talk about in uh in a few weeks here but uh we'll be collecting some of your opinions so follow us over at uh, twitter and uh at dcau review there liam we uh we are continuing with our batman the animated series 30th anniversary celebration with another episode next week as we Technically, as you mentioned at the top of the show, move from Batman the Animated Series to the adventures of Batman and Robin. That's right, Cal. This is the end of these initial 65 episodes that were ordered by Fox Kids, and we uh, move on to episode 66 and into the the brave new world when the show, as you mentioned, was named. And we got a new show intro, which uh, we can maybe touch on a little bit next week. And uh, and discuss that because we haven't really gotten a chance to, to talk about that where the show was kind of renamed and, and all subsequent re-airings were, were known as uh, the adventures of Batman and Robin at least when they aired on Fox Kids anyway um, but uh, but yeah for kicking off that era ironically is an episode that doesn't feature Robin uh, but does feature uh, the return of one Killer Croc in a, a very memorable and sort of a fish out of water type episode, I would describe it as, as you have the episode of Sideshow coming up next. One that we had on videotape for sure, watched mm-hmm. many, many times, watched until that tape wore out probably. Uh, so very much looking forward to reviewing that one. I've not seen it in several years. So excited to check that one out. It's going to be a doozy. But until then... I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.